0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Hipfire Podcast. So it's been a bit of time since our last podcast and a lot has happened. We've Got a lot to cover from the Elite Series Challengers and Cups and obviously our uh, first stage before the Major, for the first Major. So tons of action, and we're going to break it down for you guys. Kind of give our thoughts of, you know, who impressed, who stood out, and what moments stood out in the AM scene and stuff like that. And just before we start, though, uh, we do have our episodes on Spotify, as I mentioned before, so if you're more of an audio person, go check that out there. And as always, all of our highlights that we gather from the cups and the AM scene all goes up on Twitter, so if you ever want to, you know, just browse through some clips, you can check it out there. Uh, so yeah, so let's get into it. So yeah, we had the first week of action, or first couple weeks of action, because of the snow, and it was quite fun. I had a really good time watching the matches, and... Uh, to start of that, I just wanted to reference a tweet that we actually tweeted out earlier, which said basically that this Anticoin coin flip league, uh, you know, there uh, certain teams are definitely ahead based on you know individual talent and teamwork, and you can see it. I mean, we had a lot of COD to watch, and over the course of those matches, you can start to tell who the best teams are and who the better players are. You know, and what, what, I think what Octane meant when he said it's a coin flip league, there are certain things that you can point to where competition's tighter where it's just as like less teams in the league means that, you know, more like going to 12 now means that they be, should be more competitive. Right. And then also the guns are supposedly really good in this game or whatever, but it does feel like it's a very competitive league, which is a good thing. And I personally think that the fact that we have consistent top teams that are sort of the expected ones is also a good thing we should have. It shouldn't be just anyone could be anyone. I don't think personally, because then it doesn't seem like there's enough, uh, the skill gap or whatever. But the fact that you have teams that, you know, can show how dominant they are and show how like how they can play the game better than someone else, I think is more enjoyable. And also, because it's so competitive, there are room for upsets. That's kind of my initial thoughts with what we saw this weekend. But how about you, Yasser?
1: Yeah, no, I kind of agree. Uh, it's obviously, it's going to be a lot closer this year with the league having, you know, less teams. The talent pool is, you know, a lot more tighter. It's going to be a lot more closer. You know, with the 4v4 meta, and we saw this, you know, back in World War II and, and, and past 4v4 boots on the ground call of duties, it doesn't necessarily mean that the most talented team is always going to win if you can get outplayed, if certain setups are played. I mean, well like EG at Champs at World War II was that team. They weren't necessarily the most talented, but they were very strong in S&D, they had strong setups, and as a result, they were able to win. Um, so it just goes to show you that that can happen still even in this day and age. You know, That wasn't too long ago, but... You know, with regards to how this past week went, um, I think a team that impressed everyone was New York and Asim in particular. I mean, people are talking about him being a top five player in the game now, and rightfully so. You know, he's been uh, extremely talented and, and has warranted that. Um, I mean, when you looked at New York's first match against Hunter Thieves and they lost three oh, it was a very clear very close three O. I mean, if you look at that series in particular, they could have won every single one of those maps and uh they had a lot of strong setups. It was just towards the end of those maps, they you know there was either a lack of communication or they didn't have a lot of time together, and as a result, they sort of broke down. And you'd see used use take advantage of that. Um, and then in these other series, even though we still see instances uh, of that, you know, lack of um, finish, they're still a very strong team. And we saw that against Dallas. I uh, saw them three zero the rocker very convincingly. I mean, you see it in these kinds of matchups. And ASIN being a big part of that, um, you know, just to give some context, I mean, you look at the uh and kill leaders, he's, uh, he's fifth at a 1.35. Uh, he's, I think, fourth in terms of hardcore KD uh, with a 1.17. Uh, he's been extremely uh, efficient. He's a 1.35 in s I mean, this guy is constantly being aggressive and winning the majority of his, his gunfights. Uh, so, you know, whenever your entry is playing that well, it makes everything easy on the rest of the team. Clay, as well as, you know, putting up insane stats. I think he, he's a top of the league in KD or close to it. Uh, Diamond Con, who apparently is shot calling their SD. I mean, keep in mind, this guy's only been playing as a pro for like, what, a month now? And he's top five in KD. He's helping out Clay, as Clay's mentioned in the past. And he, he's putting in a lot of work in both the Respawn and SD. And then you have Mac, who seems to be more comfortable now in the support sub-role, and you see them sort of on a roll now. And I, I think that's uh, why I wanted to highlight them. They're, you know, 4-2 and two in S&D, 4-3 in Hardpoint, 3-2 and two in Control. So across the board, they're pretty strong in every single game mode, particularly S&D. In fact, the only S&D they've lost is Miami. So, you know, if they ban that map, realistically, they haven't lost any other S&D map. So that's, you know, a very positive note for themselves. So, you know, very strong team. Um, again, their only losses were a reverse hoop to Dallas and uh, you know, their first opening match. So, I I have a feeling that this is going to be a team. I know we're going to talk about later but the major, but this is going to be a team I think to watch out for. But uh, uh what who else impressed you, Seth?
0: Well, just one more one more thing on New York. Uh, I know with Hydra's been a big point of discussion cuz his visa is ready It's he's coming to the US and everyone's very excited for Hydra to play. And I mean, we've been super high on Hydra from last year and I've been singing like his praises for forever, it feels like. Uh, but you know, there is an expectation for him and how good he's gonna be. That being said, I agree with Yas that New York's looked really good. So I don't expect him to start right away. I don't understand kinda of why people thought he would. It's not like he's gonna immediately f- fit into the team right away. However, he is that talented that I do feel that he will start at some point this year. Right? It's not gonna oh, be no, right away. Yeah, right. So yeah. And it, it you know, I wanted some more hot takes. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll try to get a little bit more of that yeah, going. he's going to so, he's
1: going to start this year and he's going to be he's he's going to help this team win an event like that. i you, you want yeah, a hot I'll, take? Yeah. That is the hot take. He's going to win yeah. easily. Cuz <laughs> yeah. I like I get the whole point that he's he's obviously not going to start right away. Um, but with that kid on the talent or with the talent that kid has, unless New York is I'm not saying right away, but I'm saying down the line whether it be the next second major or even third major, if they're not winning them or placing top three why why would they keep that roster where they have this incredibly talented kid that they could input and potentially win one? I think he if if it comes to the point where they can't um overcome those hurdles uh, or win a major, Hydra's gonna be the guy that's gonna be able to do that so. That's all I want to say, but let's move on. I think another team that impressed us was uh, Los Angeles Gorillas. Um, Obviously, I don't think anyone expected them to be third in that group. (laughs) Um, You know, people give them a lot of flack for their roster, for having silly uh, and assault, and people don't think they're the same kind of players they may have used to be. Uh, um, But, you know, they finished third with a two and three record, so they did have a losing record. So, you know, got to keep that in mind. In fact, they didn't even, they only 138%, only 138% of the maps. Okay, I didn't even know that. Um, so not, honestly, the greatest uh, of showings from them. But, um, you know, there are some positives that I think, because uh, if I'm not mistaken, they're playing Thieves first. Um, they're going to be a team that, you know, I think people shouldn't sleep on for a couple of reasons. So people don't watch... Uh, I hold shift or know about a series uh, the playbook I think you should if you're genuine genuinely is interested in learning about how the maps work how map pressure works how teams are breaking down because what he does on this the playbook is that he breaks down matches after they happen and breaks down the setups the, the breaks and what teams are doing right and wrong and one thing he noted about Los Angeles or Gorillas from the time that they played Chicago to when they played the Ultra was that the numerous changes they made in their gameplay from one series to the next in a couple of days. I mean, in s he was talking about how in Moscow s how instead of Apathy chowing mid by himself, he had Apathy look over him and then Apathy would just check for information. And if Apathy didn't see anything, he'd push Eskies and help collapse on you know, that bomb site. Or if he did see something, he'd back up and wait for Assault to get his help. And it's just small like adjustments that they make like that, help them win that map, and help them win that series. And I think, you know, while I wouldn't predict them to beat the launches th- on Los Angeles Thieves, I think they will prove to be more of a challenge than anyone expects. I honestly expect it. You know, if the Thieves, if that map, if the, that series goes to map 5, I think the Gorillas are going to take it. And I think it could. All the Gorillas have to do is steal a respawn, in my opinion. And that thing can go about five, and I think the girls could potentially upset the thieves. But yeah, it's just my thoughts on them.
0: Well, even even thinking about the the LAG without looking at their maps, if you just want to look at the roster, and you think about a game that's a little bit a little bit slower, a little bit more pre-amy on Heddies. I mean, I don't mind having assault and silly in my team. It's, it sounds kind of good. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, it's a good point that you mentioned how they are changing things up. But I think that speaks a lot to Bevels as a coach. You know, I think. We, we saw what he could do in, in World War II as a coach, and even as a player, like back in the era days, and the early World War II days, I mean, like, that team, they got, were known for their poor streak usage, but in terms of, like, other aspects of the game, they were obviously very good in S&D, and they had different strats down, so I, I think, like, for him, maybe the thing was last year, right, was they didn't only won, like, four dominations, right, the whole year, and it was not looking good, and the team just couldn't get it together, and... When I, when I saw that happening, for me, it reflected a little bit poorly on Pebbles, but maybe that wasn't fair. Maybe the team wasn't listening. And they couldn't find good teamwork, regardless of who was coaching them. So now with people that he's already coached in the past, there should be a good level of understanding of we should listen to this guy. He won us a championship or helped us to win a championship, right? So I expect them to be a really, really well-planned and thought-out team. However, <laughs> against the firepower the 100th you have, I am worried. Especially if it goes to, like, a Moscow, a and or whatever, because, you know, TJ Haley went, like, 12-0 on that map. It just seems like they could be as prepared as you want, but when you come up against talent, like the 100 Thieves roster has, it might just slap you in the face, you know? Um, but we'll see. Uh, I agree with the odds. If they pull off the upsets, could going to have to be in a Game 5. Uh, but moving on past lag, we're going to talk about the Empire. And specifically Hook. I think it's pretty... Arguable, but I'm happy to say that he's, he's the, the best, best player. player in the game. Yeah, he's yeah. the best player in the game right now. He's IG yelling and frying, and it's a great thing to watch. And to think that guy almost went to go play Valorant is just atrocious. God, that's awful. I'd be so upset right now. <laughs> if there's like an alternate universe where he did leave to go play Valorant, that'd be awful. But he's here, and he is playing very well. And it's funny because I don't think he was like bad at all last year. The only thing I had an issue with him last year was SD specifically. 'Cause you would get caught in really weird positions really early in rounds and get first blooded a lot. Especially on um you know what? our first of the past, let's not talk about it. Um, but you get caught mid map a lot and you get caught in bad positions. Um uh, but this year maybe four V four is a little bit easier S and D to get into positions than last year. You've got less people watching different lanes. I don't know. I could be just be waffling. But for the most part he's looked amazing. Uh, I think his natural skill plus IGLing, it makes him like a really, really, really top like high commodity player, like MVP worthy, even more so than you know, someone that's just dropping numbers. The fact that he's doing that on top of calling, it's just impressive. But what do you make of of Dallas?
1: Yeah, no, I think you hit hit it on the nail. I mean, you'll watch him how he plays and his and even when you listen into the comms, how active in the comms he is. He's, He's constantly calling out where players are, where to push on the map. His awareness is uh, second to none. I think one of the key plays even in the match against the Thieves yesterday was um, you know, when they were on P2 on rotation to P3 there was like 30 seconds or 20 seconds left on P2 and Krim spawns in like good for P2. He spawns in the back and Kuke recognizes this. He pushes up through mid gets a couple kills, goes on rotation and essentially wins the rotation by himself but it was that awareness not to wrap back the hill but to push out and to go straight towards p3 in order to help his team spawn there um it was just so smart and he always wins all these gunfights so um again gonna be hard uh to take a guy like that down especially you know if if he you know he's playing at that level i think he's the best player in the game but moving forward to team slash players that disappointed us um i know people have been awaiting me to talk about the ultra and i'm going to talk about them Go ahead. <laughs> um, but I'm gonna try and talk about them from an unbiased standpoint because I know personally I'm not the biggest fans of bands and in, in methods. Um, but so let's look at how their series went. So they first play Florida. Everyone knows they win that match. You know, it was a very important match for them. Everyone expected either Florida or the Ultra to be the third uh, place in that group. So. You know, winning that matchup was key, given the head-to-head on that on that team. And it showed that A, they were capable of taking respawns and hard points off that team. I think even nameless said they looked like one of the better hard point teams, which is kind of funny now looking back at that. And also they took the S and D. And then, you know, they have the Gauntlet where they have to play both phase and optic. And they lose both of them, losing every single respawn, but they won both the S and D's and you know, looking back at those matchups, obviously the phase matchup, the first hard point was a bit uh, you know, gut-wrenching, where FaZe got a very fortunate spawn and had a four-way pinch on P5, and as a, as a result, the Ultra couldn't really do much and, and lost that series. Um, or lost that map, rather. And then the S&D, they pulled it back, but again, the thing is, their control is so poor. Uh, in fact, they're only playing one control map right now because of how bad it is. Uh, to give you some context, uh, the Ultra played Florida, their first match against Garrison got beat and ever since then the next four matches they've all been on control or raid control rather they don't play checkbait which we saw in the kickoff classic they got demolished in so i'm assuming that's their primer ban. and as a result they've been playing raid over and over and over and they only won it once which is funny because that the one time they did win that control they fucking lost the series anyways so you know overall their team play throughout the week has been extremely poor uh you know, again, re- referencing Schiff's playbook series, I've been watching a lot of his breakdowns in the Ultra. And one thing to notice about them is that they really have poor teamwork. Uh, one, they're extremely slow as a team. Uh, they're When they get four players down, they're you know not quick to recognize that they need to push up and get map pressure. And because they, they don't get that map pressure, they allow teams to come back into hills and come back into games. That's why you see all their hard points so close and, and and so you know back and forth because they don't apply map pressure when they they should be uh, you know it, it's very frustrating I mean guys like Kleenex it seems like he's too fast at times guys like Zen Vance they're constantly pre-aiming things instead of helping push with the team and it's like you know it, it's mind-boggling why they have such poor teamwork it looked as if they were getting worse as the week got on which makes <laughs> no sense to me yeah, they were is. playing the same maps and they got worse Explain that they played check or they played raid hardpoint three times. They played it throughout the week, lost every single time. It looked worse man. as it went on. Like they'd get better on certain hills, like their P4 against optic on raid was bad. They fixed that against LAG, but they didn't fix their fucking P5 against LAG. In fact, shift showed it a breakdown. They were being such an aggressive hold on P5, they had one laundry, one under bedroom, and two hill. And the two guys in hill die, and because the guy in laundry and guy in the bedroom are not close enough to help. Why are
0: they so pushed out? That makes no They
1: sense. Yeah, they fucking lose the hill right away, and uh... Chip's like, this is how you should be holding it. He shows how LG held it, and they held it the entire time, because they were a lot more tighter in their setup. And It's it's just like, what the hell are you doing? How are you allowed to play like this? So even from a, like, a fundamental standpoint, the Ultra are not playing very well. Then you look at the individual stats. Um... Uh, so obviously everyone talks about you know d being their strongest game mode, um, which I find very interesting because turns out they have one of the lowest first blood rates. I think they actually have the lowest first blood rate of any team in the CDL. They get first blood thirty four point five percent of the time. Factor in Bance gets first blood one point seven percent of the time. This guy does not get first bloods ever. He's, he's 1.7 clutch. seven percent is horrendous. <laughs> yes, he's clutch. But the way th- he's also the shot caller in S&D, which is kind of funny, but he's not the one pushing up. It's Kami yeah. or Kleenex. If Kami and Kleenex are not pushing up in S&D, they're not getting a single kill. Because yep. Zinni's back somewhere pre aiming. Vance is all alone by himself. And so it's up to Kami and Kleenex to open up sites for them. And because they're not playing together, you know, it, it's going to cost them an SD. And it, it hurts them. And it, it's so like crazy to me that this team has to rely on such individual play when, uh, t- to win maps, because they shouldn't be, because they're, they're not a team that can, can do that, you know? Um,
0: yeah. Well, I was going to maybe... add, I, was gonna, I was gonna add. Like, also preseason, we, we graded them as meh before the, like, the really early predictions, and the Damn. reason why we did is because we were upset that there wasn't a roster change, or at least like, the prospect of one, right? Like, InSight got picked up after our predictions, and that made us a little bit happier. But just the idea that you you roll the same squad you had last year the only one one event and didn't look that great outside of that event, uh, and you roll the same exact roster, we're like you know we're not feeling super great about that. We'd rather them see someone pick up someone young like Afro right or something like that. Uh, but we're like we're you know what we're okay. They they built up chemistry last year. They can go into this year with that. And now you're going to come into this year and not even have the chemistry, not even play like a team. Like that makes no sense to me. Like if 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 you know if. Teamwork's the problem. It's not acceptable because that's the whole point of not making a change. Was that you're mm-hmm. supposed to have the camaraderie and the team, yada yada yada, from last year. So if you're not even having, you don't even have that. Like I don't understand, you know what's going on. But um, that being said, I don't know what the answer is. I don't really think it's a roster change because again, right? The roles are not that badly defined. Like everyone kind of knows what they're supposed to do. It's just about putting it together. I think they can do it without a drastic roster change. But I'm putting it on a time clock.
1: Yeah, that's that's, the the thing. I don't think a roster change is going to solve all their problems. I think it will solve some of their problems with regards to pacing uh, in particular. But again, there's still fundamental issues with this team. I heard um, from a source, can't name them, that they scrimmed once this entire week. So don't know what was up with that. What the hell are they doing? That can't happen again because they're playing like shit. And honestly, even though they finished fifth, they might as well have deserved to finish last because that map, that series against Florida was the only series that impressed me that entire week. It was a very poor performance from a lot of the players. Uh, Kleenex was the only one, in my opinion, that had a good week. He played well. He had one bad series, but throughout the rest, I enjoyed the way he was playing. I think he was playing right. Zinni had his moments. So did Cami and Vance, but quite frankly, as a team, they just played poorly, and I'm going to leave it at that. If they finish, if they lose this match to London, there needs to be a serious conversation about whether this four is going to be the four that you move, you have moving forward, because if not, you're basically going to chalk up your season, but that's just
0: what I think. Yeah, so moving on, you mentioned London there. I want to talk a little bit about London, not too long, because the whole zero situation makes it harder to be hard on London, because obviously it's not the team they want. No, I, I disagree. Well, I was, I was gonna continue I was gonna say, but um, you drop the twins, right? So you, you get fourth last year at Champs. You drop the twins, made the controversial decision, to not keep them on, and you you go and you trust Dylan and you pick up Alex, right? And you're, you're saying, okay, we're gonna have a really competitive subduo. Where are they? What, what's happened? Like how are they this consistently not good enough? Like they're Dylan, like I, it's man, I, can't, I defended them all last year. And I still want to defend him because I just remember the Breakfast reciprocity days and how glorious they were. But you know what? Like, it's got to step up.
1: The Has there ever been this much of a fall off from a player from know. one title to the other? Because Dylan, I've never seen a player open up their beginning the thing, season like thing, Dylan does and then have uh, n- not even close to the same impact in the next two seasons. It's
0: not even... You're right. But the thing is, like he is still individually talented. Like You could see moments of it where you're like, oh, it's a nasty snap. But it's just, it's way too much like Pristini in World War II. like b- before they dropped Silly. There was a moment where Pristini would just like chow everything, and he was playing way too fast. I, I feel like that's like Dylan all the time. And it's not just like a, a play, like there's one moment I want to mention, like on Raid, I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was Raid, is off the break of a hard point or a control, and Dylan gets three kills right off the rip with an XM4. And I was like, you know what? That might be the fix. Just throw an AR on him. You can't play as fast. Just like force him to slow down. Maybe that'll fix the situation. But regardless, if there wasn't COVID right now, I'd ex- fully expect like guys like Afro and Nasty to be on the team. Like I don't think that it's hard right now because of visas. If there wasn't the visa issue, I don't expect. I don't thing. think Dylan will be on they, the team. What
1: are they going to do though? Because even when Zero eventually does come here, which it doesn't look anytime soon, because uh, he's now started screaming with EU challenges. Yeah, teams. I saw that. Yeah. So what's 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 the fix, right? Well, so the are the fix. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, is... the, yeah. I was gonna say like, the fix can't be. Oh, we have visa issues where it's going to like half the season up. I don't think that's okay, you know. I don't think you could really, really do that, especially because there's so much talent in NA as it is. Like there are guys to go for. Uh, I don't know what the contract situation is. I don't really like the whole idea of like a, you know, one week contract. I'm not sure a lot of AM players would go for that. If you have to commit to somebody long term, you might as well do it now before you wait and they get snatched up. So I think they should make some changes. I think Dylan should be up, you know, up for debate. And I think Alex is fine. He was, he's consistent enough. It's just like, it's just not good enough. Like, if you drop the twins and go for the subduo, the subduo has to be the main part of the team. And it's not right now. And that's not good enough. That's kind of my take.
1: Yeah. No, 100%. I agree with you. But I think the last team we want to talk about that disappointed is Florida. Obviously, last in this group. Six map wins. Holy shit. Didn't realize it was that bad. Um, on par with their group. Let's see again. It... <laughs> um high expectations. They had beaten phase in the kickoff classic. Again, it's preseason, but that's impressive. And then you look at their stats in S D. Uh, you know, a team that I would Big expect wake. To be is very strong in S D. And you know, they're quite shocking. Uh, just going through Carson's Twitter, because he does first blood uh, leaders. Um, you know, awakening is third at 2.05 in first bloods. Uh, I believe he's getting it, yeah. I think. First bloods per nine rounds. He had a 71.43% win rate. So he's God winning the damn. majority of first bloods. I think I also saw a stat like a multi kill in SD uh, that he was towards the top as well. So not only was he getting, yeah, here, breaking point. So in stage one, percentage rounds with multi kills in SD, awakening first at 34%. Second is a BZ at 26.7. So awakening by far is getting all the work done in terms of first bloods, in terms of multi-kills in S&D, no one is doing it as well as he is. Mm-hmm. That's simple. He gets 63.8% of rounds with a kill. He's getting a kill almost 64% of the time, which is second next to dashy. Mm-hmm. So you have that guy going off in S&D, constantly getting first blood. Even Skies, I think, was top of first blood. And yet they lose the majority of the S&Ds that they play. They're one in four. How do you have a player getting you first blood that often and then going one in four. It doesn't make any sense how you squander man advantage consistently. I mean, Skies in Slack, 0.66 and 0.68 in S&D. That's not going to cut it. That nope. is simply not going to cut it. How are you doing that when you have man advantage? That should not be happening. It doesn't make any sense. Wake has almost 40% of their kills in SD. It, it's wild. It doesn't, it doesn't add up. Like how are you like they have to seriously reevaluate because they should be, by all means, with these stats, a top S and D team. They need to really seriously reevaluate how they're playing S and D, because that cannot simply happen. Well, you, you know look-
0: I was gonna say, you know, one thing that could fix their search is Havoc. Havoc <laughs> was a top search player in Black Ops 4. He's been a top search player his entire career. He built his career on search and you bench him and your search looks like that. Just something to I don't think even about. Think-
1: like, yeah, Havoc would help. I don't think you need Havoc in this scenario, though. It's no, not, I, not know, not I know. I'm just, first. I'm really
0: upset that he's not playing still. It's just <laughs> personal.
1: <laughs> uh, I mean, Havoc might come in for Slack with the way Slack's been playing. I mean, just to, you know, he's been the a play that I want to highlight is kind of disappointed. Uh, to give some context, um, worst hard point KD, according to Kodley's stats, Slack, 0.81. That's not uh, okay. He's better than that. He's the worst. He has he has the least amount of, or uh, percentage of, their team kill percentage. He has 20.11, which is the worst. Uh, so he's not even holding his weight. I think his weight would be, what, 25%? Usually, if everyone's getting kills, 25%, he's getting 20%. So quite low. Uh, he's getting kill time at the very least. So there's that. But his engagements are also not high for a guy that's a sub player. Um, granted, some sub players like Scump also don't have high engagement numbers. So make of that as you will. But again, he's also. Tied for third last in S D KD, so last in S- or last in hardpoint, bottom third in S D. and he's also bottom six in control. So I Thought he was he's in control. control.
0: Goddamn.
1: 0. 0.92, according to colleague Ugh. stats. So he's not doing well on any front.
0: Well, um, he the thing with that though is like he if he is shot calling and he does get timely kills, like you'll notice he'll get like a really important two piece or something like that. So there is that going for him. But you're right, like if he's if it's that far behind then I don't know if it's worth the IGLing. yelling, Especially if they're 1-4. Yeah.
1: They're 1-4. One, one I mean, yeah. again, stats aren't everything, but if you're consistently losing gunfights at a rate that's towards the bottom of the league, you can't really expect much. For, you're going to need the others to have monster performances to do well. I mean, one of the reasons why they had so much success, like sustained success, I mean, or consistent success, was with, with a guy like Pharaoh, was because Pharaoh was so aggressive and he was winning majority of these gunfights. Um, And that'll allow guys like Skies to get into power positions and just look down lanes and do what he does best. Uh, You know, I don't think you can attribute all of Skies's, you know, lack of uh, success early on to Slack being poor, but I think it's a part of it, Um, you know. So I don't think Slack will be on this team much longer if he keeps that up. Um, In fact, uh, especially with uh,
0: Havoc on the bench, it just makes no sense.
1: That's true. Granted, I don't even know what Havoc's been doing. Has he been like playing the game? He played
0: this weekend with a team, but they, I think they got like top sixteen at the cut in the cup. I think. Or something Honestly, like that.
1: I wouldn't they, be surprised if Florida started looking towards maybe because Florida's is the type of team that I think we would both expect to like look outside. Um, oh,
0: they're trigger happy with the end players.
1: Yeah, they could get so, like I, they they went on awakening. They had Neptune. Yep. Maybe they go after someone. Yeah, Pharaoh. So. Yeah. Maybe they go after a guy like Venom. Who knows? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I'm a little
0: hesitant because I know you. I know you like the idea of Venom and Neptune. I don't know because they're both just so young. That's why I'm a little. You know,
1: I get that. I obviously it. You know, even yeah. There's the the whole fact that Slack has, you know the veteran leadership. He's been playing right because they both they'd
0: both be rookies as a sub duo. It's just a little scary, but
1: I think it's worth the. Mm, I think it's worth the risk. I, I think you okay. can at least test it out. Yeah, I don't, that's sir. Like I I get it, but like. It, it, there's no harm in trying it because, I mean, they're literally last. They're one of so four. <laughs> what do yeah. they have to fucking lose? Yeah, but, yeah. Um, yeah. Let's move on to the am recap. So obviously okay. we had the the Rams and New York win. So uh, what did you make of the, of the Rams team?
0: Yeah, so starting with the Rams, uh, it's basically been them and Orlis as, like the top two in Europe lately. Uh, it's kind of merging to be to be those two, and the Rams, uh, Nvidian, he's. <laughs> <laughs> that's like I always when I watch the Rams, I always focus on him because he makes some great games. Like when he has a great game, where not even great, if he even like does like keeps it up, they win. And like he makes really smart plays and really good plays. There was a specific he, series. He looked against... good.
1: He looked good though during. The he did. Series.
0: He, he, I was gonna say he looked great all the way up until the grand finals when he almost got <laughs> shit on in <the> top five. <laughs> oh, that was, oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm mostly joking. He's has been playing a lot better, and that's been a huge part of their success, right? Because Initially, when they were having success, it was, on, it was with NVIDIA not stepping up. And now that he has, it's been a lot better. There's a specific moment against Singularity on Control to close the... I think it was a 3-0 as well uh, in that series. And to close the map out, they, each of them went on like, like three different five streaks or ten streaks. It was crazy. Uh, but he made this play on Control where he was on uh, offense and he got to their back jungle. And he killed like five or six guys back jungle to cap D and just played his life Brilliantly got a bunch of kills that were important. And it was really nice to see him make those kind of plays. And I think like with him stepping up the way he has, it's made this team that much even more strong. Especially considering, you know, we've heard from Paj in the past that these guys are the best teamwork in Europe and you can see it. And with him also mm-hmm. slaying as well, it's just disgusting. And Journey might be the best player in Europe. Again, guys like Afro and Nasty do exist, but Journey is really good. But what do you make He's of the Rams? Yeah, Yeah, no,
1: I think you hit the, you know, the major points, obviously. Um, Their teamwork is, you know, can't be underestimated. Um, NVIDIA, and you talk about that play, it's funny, because one thing I actually noticed watching him is that he likes to flank a lot. So, not surprising that he's able to put himself in that position. I mean, looking at the stats from their finals against Orglis, obviously, it's only close, round 11 map. Um, He had a 1.05, which is, you know, good for him, considering he's usually negative. So, Great for him. He played very well throughout the entire Elite series. Um, Orglis, they are the ones that ended up taking, if I'm not mistaken, the Elite series this week. So uh, you know, props to them, obviously. Maybe the cup been... the cup, yeah, the cup. I mean yeah. uh the cup eight. They look extremely talented. Nasty and Vortex, my god, is a subduer insane. Harry yeah. is like the perfect flex, and Josh is like the ideal shot caller as you're they are. So, you know, they have all the right pieces honestly if it went another way they could have won this grand finals so i i expect them i said they were the team to beat and i think they will be even though the rams won this one um but yeah no uh these are definitely the top two teams right now i think if you're looking at other teams that contend obviously we now know that eric boom is going to be filling in for hydra on the new I'm train very excited team. for that very excited to see obviously for those that don't know a little bit about Eric Boom, uh, Extremely talented. Arguably, the, in my opinion, the second best player from Spain right now behind Journey. Um, uh, as a sub, he, he isn't necessarily as fast-paced or cracked out as you'd expect most amateur players to be. He's a little bit more cerebral, as you've said in the past, Seth. Um, yeah, but his sure. shot is a laser beam. It's extremely straight. It doesn't look like his gun moves. Like, it has no recoil, which, I mean, I understand. The guns in this game don't have to glow, not, but like it, when you watch his gameplay, it's, cons- it's noticeable compared to other players how, how straight his shot is. Um, incredibly talented. Obviously, he's gonna have some adjustments, uh, being that he'll have to do comms in English now, but uh, again, I think he'll mesh really well with that roster with Henry, uh, Kezin and Wheelers. And I expect them to be another team that can come out and challenge, uh, Orglis and Rams,
0: yeah, for sure. And also, like, another thing about these young guys in Europe. Even like hydra's, they got to keep in mind as well. I feel like a lot of the young players aren't only super cracked, and they also have good game sense because they've also been competing in like a bunch of tournaments in Europe. I don't know if it's because you do have local lands in North America, but it seems like the top teams, the top sorry, the top players in Europe that are young seem to be the ones that consistently win those tournaments over there in Europe, like the SFCO, whatever they're called, tournaments, and like the different like master stuff they have. So a lot of these guys are used to competing at a pretty high level. So, it, they don't have to rely on the cracked gun skill. Like, because in NA, sometimes you do, when, especially in these online cups, like you want to put up the numbers so people can notice you. But over there in Europe, with these tournaments, they're more structured and you play with vets as well. You're not just playing with youngsters in a lot of these you know, tournaments. So, I think getting that practice and getting used to competition also helps them develop as, as they're younger players. So, just something to keep in mind. Um, but moving on to North America, we saw. I guess you could say it was an upset, although it's pretty much top two. But Yokes know, yeah. up won the Elite Series. I, I would consider it an upset. I think West Star were, were still favored.
1: I, I think also uh, the way they won it in, right? Because they, yeah, they went through They actually. reverse swept UT crew. They were on the brink of losing. Reverse swept, went round 11, map 5, won that. And then they beat Wester 3 mm-hmm. yep. 0. Right? Was it 3 0? Uh,
0: I don't. i, I don't. Wrong? it wrong. There's so many matches that it just gets bogged down. Um, but either way, like they, I mean, we yeah. we've been singing like Sparks praises all year. And we, we know what we expect from Nato. And I mean, Prolo has been a guy again for, for a long time now, like all, even Glowfrost, like all these guys have like, it's not a surprise that they're playing this wall, playing competitively. The question I have is they're looking great. And they look like an arguably top team, but when Hydra comes back, or is in North America and he's not on the starting lineup. What does New York do? Do they want to put him on this team and replace him here? I don't here?
1: think so. I I, I don't. Okay. think do I was that. wondering that. I like. I don't think it. I'd have Hydra play with like he play with whoever he wants. Um, okay. I don't think I'd have him play on the academy team. I think what do you have going right now with the chemistry you have built? Like who mm-hmm. who are you going to say, hey, Hydra's here. We're gonna replace you. I don't think that's gonna happen. Um, I don't think it should happen um with yeah. regards to their performance um like you mentioned i think cuz we saw them play Wester during their like regular season matches and Wester smoked them um so it's going to be curious to see how what like what changes we saw and quite frankly like New York just came out like really hot i mean the first hard point they nearly smoked them i mean gravity had a point 62 he wasn't doing well um, you know as a team they just weren't able to keep up with hamza and spart uh because with the ars they though that ar duo really held it down in the first hard point and even the second s d they were able to clutch out it was only when paul literally like went 28 and 10 and carried his roster to to a map three win that you know they showed some sign of life but it was like a very uncharacteristic loss of western and we're seeing more of that uh, as of late um you know with that loss their loss to ut where they got three owed during the regular season even their loss in the like most previous cup where they didn't even make top eight or uh, or whatnot. So and although there's you know cheating accusations as there always is, oh, God. but yeah. you know we're seeing more and more that this team is a lot more vulnerable than they have looked at earlier in the season. While they're still, in my opinion, the best team and in, uh, in NA, um, you know it, it, I don't think it's going to be a surprise anymore if the teams start beating them on a regular
0: basis. Well, there's a lot of lot of good teams and players in NA right now. Like Even the team that won the last Cup, Insights team, that was thrown together probably within a week, right? Because I don't think they played yeah. to play together last Cup. So that was kind of impressive how fast they would have put together. And speaking of the team that won the last Cup, just uh, to wrap up our thoughts here, uh, I just don't want to go for too long, but Twerk. Yeah. I am so happy. So I've known about Twerk for quite a while, as I expect many of you as well, if you follow the S&D scene. He's been around for, for a good long time now, and he's trying his hand at Variant, giving it a shot, and he looked pretty damn good right out of the gates, especially playing well like in S&D in the Cups. I feel like there's a lot of pressure on these S&D kids sometimes, like where you switch to Variant and you have to keep the S&D up, because that's what you're supposed to be good at, and if that falters then it's like, well, what's the point? right? Um, but he definitely stepped up in, in every game mode, but also in, in S&D, and it's great. I love it. I think that, you know, I, I you could pretty confidently say that some AM teams and S and D stars play search better than the pros, so I still advocate for if you're not going to put like S and D subs in the game, and I understand that. Um, I still advocate for picking up like a bench player or somebody on the team as an S and D kid, just to scrim or like help with strats or just help with like you know mid round adjustments because I think it's it is a coachable thing. I, I personally think it is and. Having a guy, like, uh, why, not, why not pick up Twerk and, and have him critique your S&D for, like, a week or something? Just give it a shot. But, and anyways, it was nice to see him play well. And, uh, you know, it was good to see him, Onyx, Proloot, like, all these guys that we, I've known for such a long time, like, play well in variant It's just nice to see.
1: No, 100%. It was uh, uh, very cool to see those guys end up taking the cup again triumph. Um, it feels like a broken record. These guys cannot, oh, God, for yeah. whatever reason, close out a series. Holy shit! Uh, <laughs> it it may, like if it makes me sad for those guys because they Standy's have talent, okay. yeah, yeah, but they just for whatever reason have that's been their theme. They can't close out a series for whatever. And well, we uh, even reason. saw people
0: asking like, "How's Danny doing this year?" Just because they haven't seen enough of them. He barely makes it to a Sunday, and right? even when he does, been... he
1: chokes. They choke. Yeah. Like I still remember that that choke against New York earlier on in the season. But um, you know, with that being said. Uh, let's move on and end this show with our our preview and uh, our oh, picks true. for the CDL major. Obviously, um, the first that. major uh, of the season. Going to be interesting starting this Wednesday. Um, you know, I'm going to go out and you know, people have said we don't do hot takes on this show, and you know what? Uh, I think with the time that they're given, <sighs> you know what? Fuck it. With the time that they give them to practice, <laughs> I'm picking. Uh, I'm picking New York to win the, the entire event. I oh, think, my God! I think you know it may be early <laughs> considering they haven't had a lot of time to practice, but from the signs that we've seen from them in s and d and hardpoint the way they're playing together, my faith in Clay's ability to shock call this team, I think they're gonna win the entire thing. I think it's gonna surprise a lot of people. I think optic is in for a rude awakening, uh not the awakening of the player, but you know Mac and Ason uh, gonna be pretty intense. I think that s and d in particular is gonna. Be what carries them through, and I, I think they're going to win this entire event.
0: All right. Well, I disagree, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I actually don't think it's going to be Phaser Empire. I think it's going to be the Thieves that take the event. I am a little biased. I, I am a Kenny fan, so I'll, I'll you know take it for granted.
1: But well, even think, after the three O that they got,
0: even after the three O, so I think the three O actually could help them. You know, because I think Dallas was looking kind of weak, and maybe they got caught off guard a little bit by. Them playing so well, but I mean they're Dallas. They shouldn't have. By the way, I, st- I still think you know they don't have to play them until what winners finals, so they can they can take that there. Uh, but I, I do th- I do think the thieves have looked really great this past week. Uh, TJ especially in S and D like World War- the World War II TJ World War II Kenny they're back and Temps frying. It's all looking great. Uh, they can get, get a little more consistent, and uh, I think they're f- I think they're really good. Like I really am confident in the thieves. And my other hot take is that I think Legion will place top four. Uh, I don't know if they can get past that. It's a bit tough. But I think they'll make the loser bracket run. And we'll see consistent improvement for them going forwards. I still think it's a bit of a hodgepodge team kind of mashed together. And I know they've had time to practice, but it's not going to be a you know an easy kind of... It's hard to force players to play together that didn't really want to. And it kind of seems that was the scenario for Paris. But given them some more time, I think they can they can emerge quite quite good. Especially the way that Aq was playing. Like, Yuli's gunning, right? So... And they have to play either the Surgeon Mutineers. I'm not worried there. you know. Um, well, I so know I think, I think have...
1: the Mutineers could fix some of their problems. Uh, I think.
0: Maybe, but I'm not super confident in that. But what about you? How do you like, in the loser bracket, who do you think kind of makes it out of that group?
1: I, th- I think the Rocker. Um, okay. Yeah, That's fair. End, um, <laughs> I want to see more of them. Uh, you know, They looked very strong early on. Obviously, they took down the Empire, which was very impressive. Their S&D, mm-hmm. although it looked very shaky against New York, I think it's all very strong. Um, You know, what do you? All, how do you
0: feel? Sorry, I to cut you off here. But how do you yeah, feel no, no, about no, no, recent no. attaches the subs? Like, how is? How do you feel about that? I, I think I want a to see now?
1: more of a sample okay. size before. Like, I want to see after this major where they're at um, individually and at, at as a team. Because obviously, I think you know from the limit that I saw of them from their matches against Dallas and Seattle, they looked okay. They, didn't, mm-hmm. but obviously then they ended up playing the Thieves in New York and get. Demolished. So I'm very curious, you know, to see how they play in in this sort of setting because they could have been third had, um, you know, Seattle somehow beat New York. But um, yeah, I, I think it, it's a bit early, obviously, and that's why I don't mm-hmm. think like a team like the Ultras should make a roster change right away, is because right. it is early. But if they lose to the Ravens, good
0: God. <laughs> good but it's just one more quick thought on the rock I just thought of right now. But like, you know, what's what's weird is like when you have a guy like Priesta. And this is something we talked about before, um, and I've always kind of talked about with Priesta specifically is when you have a guy that can flex and run like any role, that's like kind of their, their best quality. It does feel though that sometimes you want to put them in a position where they can also like, you want to get the most out of them basically, right? So we had the same conversation last year with the phase when Priesta started switching roles because it was like, okay, do we want to set up Celium to be in the role that he wants to be in or Priesta? And how do we kind of tease that apart? Or do we want to force Mage to Manic on a different role? It's almost difficult to figure out sometimes when you have a guy that is like a Swiss Army knife, but you want to see him really excel in whatever he does because he's that talented. It almost makes me wonder if Priest will be better suited as an AR, and as a flex, and if they were to drop somebody maybe be Mike. I know it's tough because Mike's probably your S&D caller and is a very good search player. And I'm not saying they should drop anybody. They looked fine. What I am saying though is when it comes down to roles and things like that and having priest to run a sub and he hasn't looked super comfortable so i mean they can obviously iron that out and figure it out but everyone, everyone else on that team has looked comfortable so far priest is the only one where he has really good maps and some like not so good maps and it just feels a little bit off to me but i don't know it's just like a, again like you said not a huge sample size yet
1: yeah that, that should uh wrap up our thoughts obviously i tried to condense everything that happened in the past week into was a lot. one, yeah, one there. episode, which is which is quite difficult to do. But, um, yeah, it should be interesting to see the major season two. Um, you know, we're going to try and do some more content like this, uh, get it up quicker. But, yeah. yeah we, had you know, some, we had
0: some midterms. <laughs> yeah, a
1: bit of, bit of a yeah. busy week, but um, should be interesting. And, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed, and uh, see you guys in the next one. Yep, see you guys.